Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg breaking down college football from a different angle. It's the College Football Film Room Podcast. Welcome inside the College Football Film Room. I'm Scott Seidenberg, joined as always by veteran scout, coach, and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. Chris, the 2020 draft is in the rearview mirror, and for the 14th straight year, the SEC is kings. More players were drafted from the Southeastern Conference than any other conference in college football. And you know what, Chris? No surprise. No, it's it's not, and and it's it's been that way for a while, and there's nothing to suggest that it'll change anytime soon. It's, you know, people have asked me, you know, why is that? Is it recruiting? Is it development? Well, it's both. It really is. It's, it's you've got to get the players to campus, and those programs do, and they develop them very well, uh, and it shows up in a in a big way. Um, the Big Ten is competitive and good. But uh, it's, you know, it's, it's trailing by a long shot to, um, to the SEC to have 63 players taken, uh, 26 of them underclassmen. I mean, think about that for a second. I mean, they got as many underclassmen wow. taken out of the SEC as a conference like the ACC has total players. Um, or, you know, the, the, the big, more than the Big 12 has total players. You know what I mean? It just gives you an idea of kind of where things are. Um, so look, I mean, the rich get richer and it's a chicken egg thing. Does you have to have success to get players? Or you got to get players to have success. Well, yeah, it's both. And it's certainly the commitment level to the programs, the money that goes into those programs and that conference and that corridor, as well as look at the collection of talent coming up from, and you know, we, we, I study, you know, prospects coming out of, high school into college and we cover all that on landryfootball.com and we follow them all the way through through their pro career well you take from texas louisiana mississippi alabama florida georgia tennessee south carolina that that it, all that corridor of players that are connecting states that's just the biggest population if you think about the biggest states that produce the most players in the country okay you you've got California's in the mix, but you've got Florida, you've got Texas, and believe it or not, Georgia's in the top four. Well, all mm. three of those, uh, all three, the Texas, Florida, Georgia, are all in that group. And then per capita, uh, Louisiana and South Carolina produces the most players in the NFL per capita. That's, again, all in that region that's connected. And then uh, you you get now what you're seeing, and they've got to change it out west. But you have schools and the, these bigger time schools going into California, and it's Alabama, and it's Georgia, and it's Clemson, going out and getting kids out there. Um, so this is what you get. And you look at the players that come in that are highly touted. Uh, you look at the top recruiting classes, which we talk about on. Uh, uh, on the here in this college show and and, and the recruiting time, uh, it's all SEC schools. Well, why wouldn't it be all SEC schools when it's time to talk about the draft? And that's what it is. And there's some programs 
that do a really good job. Iowa comes to mind. I mean, they put in a couple of first-round guys pretty much every year, and they're not recruiting a lot of five-star guys. Epineza and Worfs were really highly uh, um, recruited, um, and and they were high draft picks. But not all they usually develop a lot of three-star guys. So you've got really good coaching, and you've got obviously great recruiting, and that leads to a big, big gap uh, in terms of – and then you've just got a mega year for – LSU with 14 guys. Um, you know, Alabama's got nine. Florida's got seven. But let's say this. Michigan and Ohio State each had 10. Interesting how that plays out, and maybe we'll get into discussing a little bit. Ohio State's rolling. Ohio State's on a par with the Clemsons and the Alabamas. And, yeah. You know, Michigan has put a lot of players in the draft the past few years. They really have. But they've not, you know, they certainly don't look like they match up with Ohio State. So that's interesting to bring out because the recruiting, while not on Ohio State level, has been really good at Ohio at uh, at Michigan, but they haven't quite done to the same level that Ohio State has uh, in terms of performance on the field. Even though they've been good, they haven't been able to crack that cold. But they've got, you know, ten. 10 guys drafted pretty much every year now. Yeah. So Michigan, you mentioned Michigan, Ohio state with 10 players each drafted, uh, but the defending national champs, LSU led the way, Chris, a record setting uh, draft for them. 14 players selected uh, in this draft. And uh, we expected it to be, we talked about it last week that LSU could have a high number of draft picks that, and we knew about the top guys going in the first and second rounds. And really it was the first three rounds where the bulk of the LSU players were taken. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was, was really impressive to see that many. And then uh, Thaddeus Moss was one of those players that wasn't drafted. Uh, Blake, Blake Ferguson, the deep snapper was, um, a little bit surprised there, but that uh, I thought it was going to be 15, and I would have thought Michael Divinity would have gotten drafted. So I really thought 16 was very possible for them. 14 is great, as you mentioned, a lot of them very high. Um, but you know, it's and then you've got a, a program like Alabama again that look at how many guys were taken, you know, within the first round and five you know, first again, rounders, right? Nine guys, yeah. you know, um, selected. Um, but they do that every year and yeah, of course. You know, five underclass. So the consistency of what they do it and how they replace them, it's like a machine of conveyor belts uh, in it. But yeah, there's no question. So, you know, LSU wins the national championship loaded with players. They come out of Alabama's really good. You know, they've got a, that a bunch Auburn, you know, good program, six guys coming out of there, Florida, pretty good. They've got six guys at Georgia, got seven guys coming out of there. I mean, you know, it's just a, then, then you look at a place like an Iowa and say they got five guys. That's pretty doggone good for a program that doesn't recruit quite to that level. But, um, yeah, you, you look at it and, and you say, boy, that's good. You got South Carolina with four guys. Um, and then, you know, you don't have a Tennessee with, with just, a, just a couple of guys. You've got some programs that not quite, uh, even in the league, that's not quite as good as they have been or probably will be again. But you look up and down the road, they've got a lot of players um, that can have impact. And particularly guys on the defensive front, that's probably where the difference is. They produce more of those big guys that can run up front defensively than any other league by far. 
There was an interesting conversation that was going on on social media, Chris, after the draft was over, and it had to do with the recruiting rankings of the draft picks. Uh, There was a graphic that came out via, I think it was 24-7 Sports, who said, you know, look at all the players that were drafted that weren't rated highly as prospects. There were 15 five-star recruits that were drafted this year, 77 four-stars, 111 three-stars, 27 two-stars, and 25 that were not even ranked coming out of high school. But the reason why this is disingenuous is because you have to look at the amount of players that each year are ranked as those star recruits, right? And then you look at the draft numbers. For example, there is probably about 30 players a year that get rated as five-star recruits. Would you agree that that's a, that's yeah, a close it's, number? It's, it's about right, yes. 30 and to 50, you're correct. So if you're telling me that 15 five-star recruits got drafted this year, that's 50% of five-star recruits get drafted, as opposed to the players that were four-stars or three-stars, and then you look at those amounts that were drafted. Yeah, 111 three-star recruits were drafted. But really, that's probably like less than 10% of the amount of players that are actually graded as three-star recruits. So yeah. I think it absolutely matters. Yeah, well, it, it does. Here's here's the thing about some of the rankings in the star system, which I, I, I've gotten to the point where I refer to it a lot because that's how people relate to it. But in, as you know, and one of the things that we're working on and going to have soon – up on LandryFootball.com is is grading the players in this 2021 recruiting class and grading them a little differently. No, there's not a college program in the country that grades them as five stars or four stars. Mm-hmm. We use the same number system that we do in the draft, but they mean you know comparable things of getting into college. But th- there there needs to be greater separation. So you're correct. They'll they'll normally say all right top 300 every year. And they'll basically, in essence, have about 254 stars in the top 300. And then the rest of them, and, you know, again, it it could be 250 to 270. And you're right, the rest of them are five stars. It could be 30, it could be 50. But the point is, is they kind of use that. You can't just say, remember how I always say, well, how many first rounders? Well, I mean, it depends on the year. I mean, it's it's going to be comparable maybe year after year, but it's it's about how a guy grades. So here's the point. Some of those five-star graded players are really more four-stars, and some of the four-stars are five-stars. But get this. They just use three-stars. They got a boatload of three-stars, Scott. Well, they may have 1,500 to 1,800 players with three-star grades. The key is knowing which one of those 500 are really more four stars and which which 500 are really two stars. Uh-huh. They don't do a good job of separating that. And that's where the rubber meets the road. And that's where these three-star guys that just are a little bit better. And then, you know, you got to throw in other things. You know, obviously, how well they develop depends on coaching, but it depends upon the player, the young man. How much do they love football? Look, I mean – not everybody that, that's got talent that comes out of high school that's capable of playing college ball. Not, believe it or not, not everybody they might 
like the idea of playing pro football. They might like the idea of the money, but they're not as committed to doing that as everybody thinks. Some people are, some people are not. And I think that's where a lot of these guys don't stick it out. Some of them are not, you know, can't handle the academics and just some of them, you know, meet their, you know, girlfriend for the first time. And then just football's not really important to them. I mean, there's a whole lot of things that happen to kids from the time they come out of high school and get into college. Now that you've got more early commitments, you've got more issues and more layers to deal with. But I do think it's a, it's a good indicator of at least where guys are coming out and let's just call it what it is they base these rankings off of one thing is information not evaluations so they basically look at who's recruiting the player and if you got a player that's being recruited by alabama clemson ohio state georgia that guy's gonna get a five star the that same player if he's recruited by boston college Rutgers, Temple, and Kansas, that guy will be lucky to get a mid-level three-star guy. He may be the same player, Scott, but depending on who's evaluating him, that's where the stars come from, and that's where they, quote-unquote, rise him up from a three-star to a four-star or whatever. Don't let anybody fool you. And, And that's a good indicator because I'd rather have the M put from the college coaches that are recruiting them than just somebody that's got an opinion that really has no training in evaluating players. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. And there's plenty of five-star recruits that don't pan out to be any. Correct. So, Correct. You know, I, I mean, I could think of, I probably can name five off the top of my head. If I'm just, you yeah. know, let's just look at the quarterback position. I mean, Dane Christ oh. at, at, at Notre Dame, uh, Mitch Mustaine, Ryan Perilou, like he was all five-star guys that never, never turned out to be anything. So yeah. And look, yeah, look hits and misses all over the place. And look, look, you know, Alabama had to have drafted, you know, great player. Look at the five-star quarterbacks. They had people. Oh, they had Alabama recruit. Like heck, they don't. They look at look at the um, Blake Barnett. Yeah, Blake know? Barnett was a five star guy. Yep. You know, I mean, look at the five star guys they've recruited that, that didn't even pan out at a place like Alabama. That mm-hmm. no one does a better job of developing. And and look at um, the kid, um, um, uh, Hunter Johnson, the the kid that went from Clemson to Northwestern, and yes, and you know, five star kid went to Clemson and didn't didn't pan out and. Ended mm-hmm. up going to Northwestern and, you know, I had injuries last year and, you know, it was a lot of expected. It just hadn't worked out. So, yes, for 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 the ones that do, there's some that don't, and that's just kind of the way it is. But it is – look, I, I follow it because I like to study and chart these players coming into college and studying them through. And so that when we're talking about them in terms of the draft, you know, people kind of do their research and say this, well, I, I can remember – you know, seeing them and seeing how they grew. And that tells me a lot because if I saw a guy that, that maybe was a little bit lacking in upper body strength or body development, and he developed well in college, that tells me a lot about the player. Cause yeah, you of can course. have a good strength coach, but and all of a sudden, you know, there were some issues that he improved upon that tells me a lot. And so the, the three, four years that he was in college uh, tells me a lot about a guy when you know about him coming into college, you have a pretty good feel for him once he goes, you know, through college into the NFL. And that's a good indicator of who you have and how hard a guy is going to work or, you know, how, because I'm going to tell you now, you are 
really has to be a self-starter in the NFL. If you're one of those guys that you need to keep a thumb on a player, you, you, that guy's going to be limited. He may be ultra, ultra talented, but getting it out of him is going to be a constant challenge. Mm, absolutely. We'll get back into the podcast in just a minute. But first, with no more sports on as of now, there's really not much you can bet on. Or so you thought. There's so much action you could still have at betonline.ag. There's eSports, American Idol, Big Brother, the elections, the spelling bee. You could bet on the masked singer, Kitty, plus 400, by the way. There's $750,000 poker series as well. There's so much fun to be had. So go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. I love their Madden Sims as well. I think I'm 3-0 so far on Madden Sims. Again, betonline.ag. The promo code is MYPOD100. BetOnline. Your online wagering experts. Uh, so now that the drafts in the rearview mirror, we're certainly missing spring football this year, Chris, uh, from all of these college programs. But there's the potential for spring football next year. And I'm not just talking about a red versus white game. No, I'm talking about actually having the college football season in the spring. Of course, there is a cloud of uncertainty surrounding all of our sports as we are in the midst of this pandemic. And one of the ideas that's actually being floated around for the next college football season would be postponing it to the spring uh, because there's a concern, like how do you have college football without fans? How do you have college football when kids can't even be on campus? So if you're not going to have students on campus, how can you ask these kids to come and practice and work out and have an actual college football season? I'm as hopeful as the next guy. But if there's the possibility of pushing it back to the spring, could that even work? Forget about the academic calendar. Just look at the sports calendar. How do you have a football season in the spring, Chris? Well, I don't really see it. And I, I get it that the importance of playing football and the importance of the gate of holding on to the money of season tickets is such that they do anything to try to save it. So I get the idea of, look, we're going to do everything we can to get it in. No one wants to play a college football season in the spring, but if the fall is out and then I, you know, I understand wanting to at least to consider it. Here's the problem. I mean, and I'm not trying to poke holes in anything, but how many players are going to play that are going to be draft eligible? Probably no one. Now you would have to get, it would have to work in unison with the NFL. The NFL would have to say, well, we're going to move the draft back to August. Mm -hmm. And and, you know, and how many players are going to want to play? How many players are going to want to risk an injury playing in March? How many players start their season and then quit halfway through to avoid injury when they've done enough to raise their draft stock or or even play. And by the way, by the way, this is a different conversation. I'm going to get right back on it, but curious to see how many players are going to try to make themselves eligible and petition the league for the supplemental draft this summer. That's something we'll talk about in the ensuing weeks, but that's a, different scenario because the supplemental draft is for players that maybe have been kicked out of school, flunked out Uh uh and they have no option. 
how's the league going to handle this for these college guys that just say, you know what? The season's in doubt. I want to come out now. How do they do it? I, you know, this is going to be. Let's be honest. They're, they're if Trevor Lawrence was draft eligible, he's the first number. He's the first overall pick over yeah. Joe Burrow. Well, the the point is, is though that that he could he could go in a supplemental draft and not play in the season. I'm not saying he wants to do it, but yeah. a lot of guys yeah. are gonna a lot of guys are gonna inquire about that. And I think you know it's not as easy as that, but in this circumstance, how the league, the NFL, deals with that. And how it affects the relationship with NCAA is going to be quite interesting. And, and and let's that's going to be something that would take place in July. And we're going to know a little bit more about how much in doubt will the college season be. But let's we'll leave that for that appropriate time. But I think players would would uh, would 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 simply not play. Most of them wouldn't. Um, Look, I don't. I don't think it's. You, you know, I, I. I've never really thought about it from a sports calendar standpoint. But obviously, how do you deal with that? You have, um, you know, the Final Four, and a, I'm talking the Final Four college basketball, the Masters, and a and a big Saturday of college football on the same day. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I mean it's going to be really <laughs> weird. I don't know if any of that really. I don't see that. I don't think that's workable, but you know, let's get through the, the, the fall and we don't have it. I can see how desperate they are. I'm listening to different. I heard the president of Brown Ivy league school say, if we don't have school, if kids can't go on campus this fall, forget football, forget sports. If we don't, that we're in trouble, that there are a lot of academics and we're talking Ivy League caliber schools with the endowments out the wazoo. You know, they got some big issues there. So, I, you know, I, I don't know how this is going to play out. I think this, I think there's, I could see this happening more than I could see potentially if we can't get started on time, that maybe we go into, Feb, excuse me, into February. So, <clears throat> pardon me, instead of like, January 10th, February 10th being the championship game. Like it would be moved back. So I could see going into the February is not spring, but going into the, what I call spring semester, which is mostly started in January in, in college um, campuses. I could see maybe going into the spring a little, you know, instead of ending in January and February, I don't see starting in January or February and finishing up in, 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 in April or May in college football. I don't see it. I really don't. I don't think that's going to work. More with Chris Landry and myself, Scott Seidenberg, in just a minute. But, again, I, I don't know what to make of what's going to happen with, with anything. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned like everyone else is. I, I hear what the medical experts talk about, that this is going to get worse. And when it gets to the fall and the winter, it's going to, you know, mutate and be worse. And I mean, I, you know, you can drive yourself crazy thinking about it and hope that that we can get a handle on some of this stuff to where we can at least get into a fall. I guess my, my concern, Scott, is I get the sense, and I think we're going to know here in the next few weeks just by following the news the people 
the states that are opening things up a little bit. Let's see how they do. Let's see what what the NBA does and how they do. It's a pro sports league, but how do they deal with it? And they're not going to be with fans. Okay. But how do they do? And then how do people, you know, in certain states that open it up, if Florida opens up, if, you know, I mean, it, 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 the state that is, and then all of a sudden we see, okay, look, it's, it's positive. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm learning. I, I'm, I'm listening. My understanding is New Zealand says we, we have got this covered. We are, we've got the coronavirus behind us. We're opening up everything full gore. We don't have a problem anymore. And I'm thinking, okay, well, what, what is it that they've got? Let's get everybody's rear end in New, New Zealand and figure out what they're doing that we're not. I don't know. You know, I don't know what, so I don't know how any of this is going to play out. My fear is that we get into it and what's going to happen if, somebody gets it and you know, somebody's going to get it. Now mm-hmm. is the team infected and it's tough. I mean, I just found out before we taped this podcast that my niece and her husband has got it. And now, you know, and it's, it's all those things that when it starts to hit close to home, you know, it is, I mean, it's like, if you're, if you're in close proximity, you're getting it. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's, it is so viral that I just keep wondering how we're going to, not, I think we could start a season, but can we finish it? And so I don't know what that's going to mean. Well, and I hopefully, hear, you know, all this ho- stuff hopefully is, it gets yeah. to the point, Chris, and we wish your, you know, your family, of course, nothing but the best. Uh, you know, hopefully it gets to the point, and we're starting to see some of these numbers come out that really, for for the majority, the gr- the the large majority of people that are infected. It's a, you know, it's a short term thing. It's not right. going to affect you adversely. You know, I, I had read the, the the latest article that in the largest hospital in New York that was responsible for the most number of deaths, that 98 percent of those that died had a serious preexisting condition. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. so that does tell you that, hey, you know, yes, for the for the large majority of healthy individuals that do come in contact with this, it really, you know, it, it'll knock you on your rear end, but you recover in a couple of weeks. Um, right. And so and hopefully it, and more just... information comes out and we're able to treat this quicker, uh, whether we have a vaccine or not, the treatment will get better as long as, the, you know, we don't have a massive outbreak and, and hospitals are overrun. I think we can get to a point where, yeah, we can start to open up and hopeful and be hopeful that we can get a, a, season, a football season in. And, and I think, maybe the people, everyone will have a better handle on how to contain it. So, okay. If it happens on the team, yeah, you're going to have it. And now does everybody get it? And is it spread? Like, does it affect everybody at one time? Well, then, you know, I didn't, then, then you're in trouble, but like you said, now what you, you got to contain to make sure that they're not into the student population or they don't go home to, to grandma or, you know, or somebody, you know, those are the type of things that I think we're learning about that, you know, you can carry it even though you don't even have symptoms and maybe you're only down a week to 10 days and not that bad with it. Somebody else that you can infect that maybe has nothing to do with football that, that, that maybe we can contain this better. So that's what I'm hoping for. But we're, as I've said before, we're going to mirror society, how they're dealing with it. Um, it's not just about, well, these are strong football players. They're healthy. They can get through it. It's about they could be the, you know, spreaders of this. And so it's going to be tougher to contain on campuses. Um, but, you know, it, it's something that everybody's trying to work through. So you hope that we're able to do it. But I, I'm not a big – 
look, I mean, I guess if I had to have spring football versus not at all, yeah, that would yeah, be yeah. that would be, but it would have to be abbreviated. And Scott, okay, so you have it. Do you end in May? And then okay, so then and you're gonna turn around in August and and start your next football season. There are a lot of things that don't make a lot of sense with that. I mean, I saw the Big 12 commissioner say, well, we play half the half of it in the fall and half of it in the spring. They're not gonna have the same team. Like <laughs> said, the guys that are gonna play in the fall, like I guess, hey, the heck with it. I'm gonna go and prepare for the draft. So none of that I, I just and and here's the other thing I, i've heard that you know this theory well because it's gonna be hard i don't know what you think just the, the the landscape it looks like it's less likely that the state of california or the state you're living in new york looks like they may be or likely less likely to go forward with this and we hope everybody can but there's some that are more affected uh, affected than others so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know it could be like all right you know so the, the say the south and the sec said we're gonna play and we're gonna play our conference schedule well you may not be able to play usc if you're alabama because usc in california may not be able to play. all right well what do you do then all right you got your little conference championship but you, you know you're gonna put some kind of national playoffs and even though that you can take clemson and ohio state and alabama and georgia and you know pretty much one of those teams are going to win the championship is it a true championship if no one else is even playing i mean mm-hmm, there are a mm-hmm. lot of things that we can't answer i can't answer no one can answer everybody's got a bunch of questions but i i i can tell you that i for one would spring football would not um would be far from ideal and uh, so let's hope and see you know what what things will play and i tell you what'll be interesting is is if there's any thought that if things get better and it's the heat do you want to start sooner do you want to go on to the possibility of is there any way if things get cleared up and we have a good month of may do we want to try as hot as it is? Do we want to try to maybe play some football in July and start it sooner and get the season in? I mean, I'm, it's get a little the bit season too in hot. before the winter, you're saying? Yeah. Well, maybe. I mean, you it's, know, it's just, I mean, I don't. I mean, that's not an idea. I'm floating out, folks. I mean, I'm just stuff <laughs> out. I don't know. I'm just saying that there's a lot of issues here because apparently, apparently, the sunlight and the heat is not a friend of the virus. Yeah. More than the that the colder weather, I don't know. I, I It seems like we're going to be caught in a pinch. And let's just hope that we can figure enough out to where we can get back to some sense of normalcy because I know what this means to a lot of people, not for their well-being and their mental well-being and their mood, but this is a lot of income that's affected by this. Yep. There's a lot of income that's affected by everyone listening to this. That has nothing to do with football. And we're just hopeful that everybody can be safe. And when we open things up, that we can stay open and, and, and move forward and not have to step back. So what are you working on now after the draft uh, at LandryFootball.com? Well, you know, obviously we're keeping people involved. We, we look at the draft from a college standpoint, too. So we're given a lot of that. And we're doing some fun things in our notebook talking about who are they going to be the players that are going to, who's the guy that's going to replace Jalen Rigger or who's the guy that's going to be the replacing Isaiah Simmons on. We get into a lot of that looking ahead to rosters and recruiting is still pretty active. A lot of these kids are committing. So uh, it is very newsy on the college side. So we've got that all covered for you. And look, we'll be breaking down 
the rosters. As I mentioned, we're going to be breaking down um, in, in the recruiting evaluation, our recruiting boards. We're going to be breaking down by regions, by state. So we got a lot of stuff going on. So there's going to be no shortage of information. We're going to be evaluating rosters and getting ready for a football season, folks. We can't guarantee you when, where, how, uh, or even if, but we're going to guarantee you that we're going to get you prepared for a football season uh, to know the rosters, to know the players in and out. So we've got that covered for you. So check out our scouting season offer at LandryFootball.com. And be sure to follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball. You can follow me at Scott's on Air and subscribe, rate, and review the College Football Film Room wherever you get your podcasts from. We can promise you this. We'll be here for you each and every week as we get through all of this together. Chris, talk to you next week. And look forward to it, bud. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.